You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Today on the podcast, biggest Illinois football game since when? I think it's probably one of the biggest ones, most consequential ones I've covered, given what a win over Iowa could mean for Illinois off the backs of a win at Wisconsin for the first time in 20 years. Haven't beaten Iowa in 14 years, uh, so this would be big for Illinois in that way, but also it would set up a potential special season, at least uh, in regards to Illinois football's recent history. If you can get to 5-1, and one, that'd be the first 5-1 and one start since 2011, um, You know when they went 6-0. and oh. So that'd be the best start since then. We know how that season went, but I don't think this team uh, has that in front of them. You never know with these seasons, but Northwestern Nebraska still on the schedule. Other winnable games obviously still left on the schedule. And if Illinois gets to 2-1 and one in Big Ten play in this Big Ten West, Going into a game against Minnesota, uh, probably the top competitor otherwise for Illinois, along with Purdue at that point, this could set them up for the chance to have a path, to have a real path to a Big Ten West championship. Now they got to beat Iowa, of course, and that has not been easy for Illinois. Of course, Iowa off to a sluggish start offensively, but their defense and special teams are very good. So on this podcast, we're going to preview this big game, what it means for the program. Uh, we're also going to get some insight into Iowa as David Eichel, Hawkeye Insider, does a great job along with Sean Bach over there on our 24-7 sports site at Iowa. Uh, they do a phenomenal job. David breaks down why this Phil Parker defense is so good, why this Brian Ferentz offense is so bad. And he also talks about what this game means for Iowa because if Iowa wins this, all of a sudden their path is back in the Big Ten West. That's what's crazy about this West division. I guess it makes it fun for West teams uh, until you get to the Big Ten championship uh, and have to play Michigan or Ohio State. But either way, that, that's a topic for another day. I also have Joey Wagner on the pod, and we talk for a while about Illinois, what this game means for them, the attendance thing, the ticket thing. We, we talk about that, recruiting, and this matchup. So sit back. Relax and have fun talking about a big Illinois football game in early October. Illinois football is exciting right now. Let's see if they can keep up that excitement when under the lights against the Iowa Hawkeyes at Memorial Stadium. Hope you enjoy this one. David Eichel coming up next to break down Iowa. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Every year we get to talk Illinois, Iowa, David I. Colt and I, Jeremy Warner, Atlanta Inquirer Publisher. We decide to do just a little bit of a crossover. We can play on both our podcasts, the Swarmcast for you Iowa fans and the Atlanta Inquirer podcast here for Illinois fans. Uh, and David, for the first time in a long time, um, you know, basketball, we've been expecting to be great competitive games and boy, those have been awesome. Yep. Uh, now the rivalry can actually translate to the football field where you know, Illinois, the last two first quarters against Iowa has looked pretty good, but just, just couldn't uh, withstand it. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but here you go, an upstart Illinois team playing uh, against a so far disappointing Iowa team because of one side of the ball. This is a monster game for Illinois. This is like an arrival moment uh, for Illinois. If they go to 5-1, and one, they'll probably be ranked. Uh, they And then they'd probably have control of the Big Ten West, at least for a week, going into Minnesota. Uh, this is a huge, huge game for Illinois. What's this one mean for Iowa? I think this is the biggest game of the season for Iowa. I mean, you look at who they have coming up. Obviously, there's a bye week next week. But, Jeremy, they're going up against Ohio State at Ohio State the following week. And you're not going to win the Big Ten West if you start out three and four. I get Iowa's back half the schedule against Minnesota, you know, Northwestern, Nebraska, Wisconsin. But this is a must win. I, I just think you feel so much better about being four and three than three and four going to the back half of the schedule. But yeah, I mean, they're riding an eight-game winning streak against Illinois right now. But, you know, this isn't like my college days Illinois football team. Like, this is a very legitimate Illinois football team. I, I know you and I have talked off the record quite a bit about, you know, I think Chase Brown's been one of the more underrated backs nationally for the past couple of seasons. I think he's been tremendous for them. And I think an underrated selling point for, you know, talking point for this game is this is Bielema's first game coaching against Iowa. Because remember, last year he wasn't in attendance because he got – he got COVID, and I feel like people are brushing out under the rug. This one's going to mean a little bit extra to Bielema. And, you know, even going beyond the football field, I think if Iowa wants to continue getting some of those talented players out of the state of Illinois, they got to continue to beat that program. And I think it's a big opportunity for the Illini to beat Iowa and say, hey, look, the tides are turning. We want to, you know, protect our home state. And I think that's been something that's made Illinois – a quicker trajectory, upward yeah. trajectory than the last regime is. I think Bielema's done a tremendous job of putting his focus on in-state recruiting, and that's something I, they haven't done for the past few years. Yeah, it's been interesting to see Illinois actually be competitive in, in battles with Iowa, getting Aiden Lawfrey, Ian Pugh, though Jason, Jacob Bostic and Ian Pugh were basically one picks one, the other one picks the other. Uh, but, you know, Brian Allen, uh, you know, Iowa was able to, to kind of steal him. Uh, it's been a fun rivalry in recruiting, but Illinois wants to be Iowa. Like that's no secret. Uh, they they yeah. want the success that Iowa has, the the sustained success. And, and I understand Iowa fans. You know, Big Ten championships is kind of the goal. Eventually, getting in the college football playoff, they can have that goal. Illinois just wants, at least at this point, to be able to be in competition for a Big Ten West title, and they have a wide open door right now given Iowa Wisconsin being down Northwestern being down so like Minnesota Purdue and Illinois this is a huge moment uh, as long as they have divisions which might only be a couple years but you have a moment where you can kind of take advantage of that David I think you've seen like 
this team's been more competitive uh, under Brett Bielma. They're, they're far better coached. Uh, I said when they finished this staff with guys like Kevin Kane and George McDonald that I think Iowa fans would like this staff. I think they'd be pleased with the staff that Brett Bielma put together. And, of course, Brett Bielma being an Iowa guy, coaching at Kansas State, coaching at Wisconsin, like that was the blueprint. Um, now, certain things have changed, and that's a big difference in this game is the style of offenses these two teams play. But last year they were competitive, right, yep. uh, against Iowa. And then a special teams touchdown by Charlie Jones really changed that game, some turnovers, which is always the concern. Like, this is still a tough matchup for Illinois because Phil Parker's defense is great. Like, we talked about this before we came on the pod. Like, Wisconsin, I didn't know if they were good at anything because their defense wasn't quite as good. Their offense wasn't quite as good. Iowa's offense stinks. We all know that, whoever's listening. But their defense, just like Illinois, uh, is one of the best in the Big Ten. Yeah, no no question. I know you and I even go back to Big Ten media days. We were talking about Wisconsin. We're like, what really makes them stand out? They lost a lot more on paper than I think a lot of people were expecting, but – no doubt. I think as crazy as it sounds, Jeremy, I think this is one of Kirk Ferentz's best defenses he's put together. I mean, they're loaded at every single position, right? So, I mean, you look at, you know, the defensive line wasn't really talked about hanging into this season. Iowa turned seven guys with over 200 snaps. Lucas Van Ness, they call him Hercules on campus. He's six foot five, 275 with a six pack. I mean, his physique's not real. Illinois and, target, uh, Barrington. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very underrated guy, by the way. He should have been a much higher power five prospect. It was very obvious. I think when Sean Bach from Hawkeye is there, uh, you know, live scouted him a few times, he just said, look, this dude's built different. And I think he is going to – I think he still might face a legitimate NFL decision at the end of the season if he has a loaded back half of the season. Linebackers losing Justin Jacobs was massive to this defense, but Cooper DeGene is well taken over for that cash roll at cornerback. I think he's Iowa's best all-around football player. This is a guy that was actually being recruited to Virginia at quarterback. So, of course, Iowa fans, given all the offensive struggles, kind of want to, hey, why don't we throw Cooper as a Wildcat quarterback? Uh, But Cooper being able to play safety, cornerback, and the cash position, returning Jack Campbell, who I think is one of the more – probably one of the best NFL prospects at linebacker, six foot five, 247, should not be able to move sideline to sideline as fast as he does. And then Kayvon Merriweather, you still have Riley Moss, who's had a little bit of an underwhelming year, but they're loaded every single position. But that's why I think this is going to be a very intriguing chess match between Bielema's offense and Phil Parker's defense, because I, I, again, I think Chase Brown makes that team go and running the football does. But Tommy DeVito has been really, really impressive to me. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions, completing 70% of his passes. There's just much more stability at quarterback. And that's been, that's kind of allowed Illinois to use some of those skill players on the outside that frankly, I think have not been able to be utilized their fullest potential due to the instability at quarterback. So uh, I've been intrigued with what they're able to do. I think they can do more things. And I think that's, what's going to make this game a lot of fun. And I know Iowa's defense can be very motivated after what happened against Michigan, because I think again, Blake Corum is one of the best running backs in the country. And, you know, I think Iowa failed to really slow him down. They didn't give up any explosive runs, but Corum was just constantly getting five, six yards. And Iowa only had three tackles for loss on 66 plays. And that's not Iowa defense. So I'm very intrigued about, like I said, just the chess match between Illinois' offense and Iowa's defense. I think that's where the game is, right? Um, Because I just think it's not a fair fight, maybe. Uh, Illinois defense against the Iowa offense. We can get into that here in a second, but... The thing that scares anybody about going against a Phil Parker defense is they can score. They can make big plays, game-changing plays. Uh, and what's interesting is 
you know, the Illinois offense was putrid last year, especially the passing attack. But Brett Bielema makes a quick change. Like one year into Tony Peterson, he decides this can't work. We're going to make a change. Barry Lunny comes in uh, from UTSA, also coached at Arkansas. And, you know, the concepts are, are different. Like the, the fundamentals are the same. They still want to be a physical running offense, but they want some balance to it. And and Tommy DeVito certainly has brought that um, along with Barry Loney. And you're just going to see more screen passes. You're going to see more shovel passes. Uh, and I do think that chess match is going to be fun because I think Iowa's defense is better than Illinois' offense is. But Illinois' offense, do they have to score 30 to win this game? Probably not, right? So no. uh, just getting some of those sustained drives and avoiding the turnovers, avoiding the catastrophic yep. turnovers. That's what killed Illinois last year in this matchup. And it's why Iowa really probably won the Big Ten West last year is their ability as a defense to to flip plays or to flip games. Uh, but Illinois certainly is, is a far better offense than, than Iowa saw last year. But it's probably a middle-of-the-pack offense. But given the way the Illinois defense is playing, that that's all they need to be. No question. And like you said, Illinois is trying to replicate Iowa, and that's that's been Iowa's formula. I mean, they want a sound, a sound defense. They want to be able to run the football. And they just need – I said this before the season. I still stand by it. If Iowa's offense could be below average, they win the Big Ten West. Like, they're not – fans aren't asking for a top 50 offense. If they have a top 80, 85 offense, Jeremy, I, I, I seriously believe this. They are probably at least 4-1, and one, and they might have a shot at upsetting Michigan. But I knew the game was over when Iowa got down two scores. I mean, that, that's that's where it's at right now. Unless Iowa's defense recorded a pick six, that was it. And I have not updated this stat since after the Iowa State game. But I tweeted this out. in the From Iowa State to when Iowa started 6-0 and last year, the nine or ten games in between, right? Iowa's defense and special teams outscored Iowa's offense. <laughs> Just absorb that for a second. I mean, yeah, that, I mean that, that's it's, that's it's a positive. That's a positive for Phil Parker and and uh, the special it, teams coordinator. I mean, it's crazy. He's playing offensive and defensive coordinators, <laughs> and it, that's why I think again. That's why Iowa fans. That's why the temperature is so hot right now. And you know, I know a lot of people point at Spencer Petrus. I think it goes far deeper than Spencer Petrus right now. He's so, actually so. Been give me day. Like, what has happened? What has happened to the the Ferentz? I'm going to throw Kirk in there too. The Kirk yeah. and Brian Ferentz offense. Like, what has happened there? So I think a couple things to keep in mind, and I'm not trying to make excuses for Iowa, but there were times during spring, Jeremy, where Iowa only had four receivers practicing. Total, not scholarship receivers, total. And for the first two games, Iowa had one scholarship receiver healthy, and that's Arlen Bruce. Now, I think that's partially due to a failure of rebuilding your roster. And I think, again, Petrus has been good the past couple of weeks. And I think getting Nico Regani back has been a big help. Keegan Johnson, there's a lot of just rumors and buzz going about him because he's, you know, I don't think he's healthy. He missed all of spring, didn't play in the bowl game. Brody Brecht is a guy who I think is going to be good in due time. But you look at Iowa's offensive line. They have talent. They're super young. But, I mean, you have all former All-Americans. You have four-star caliber guys. Caleb Johnson, I think, is going to be one of the best running backs in the Big Ten in the next couple of years. I think he's got that size and speed combination. I don't know if you remember Sean Green, mm-hmm. Doak Walker Award winner at Iowa. I talked to Sean last week, and Sean said Caleb Johnson. He reminds him of him. And that's pretty, pretty high praise from that. And Iowa has a couple four-star receivers. So it's not a talent issue. It's purely an outdated scheme right now. And I think with the way modern-day college football works, I think Kirk's going to have one of the biggest off-seasons of his career because with Spencer Petras, you don't have a game-breaker at quarterback. There was a span of 10 games where he threw one touchdown and nine interceptions. Was not benched. And we look around college football today. You mentioned 
Illinois making a change. Look what that's done for them. Yeah. And Iowa was not aggressive in the transfer portal. And we live in an era where 47% of starting quarterbacks are transfers. And for some reason, Iowa didn't explore that option as deep as they should have. There are a couple names they're monitoring, but never really aggressively try to go after. So I think, again, Kirk's going to have to just modernize his offense. And I think it goes far deeper than Bryant. I think this is Kirk's scheme. And, uh, you know, I, I think the running scheme can work. But when you don't have a proven passing offense, whether it be route trees, whether it be recruiting, and a quarterback that's not mobile, that doesn't go through his options. I mean, you need to have a mobile quarterback in today's college football era. And if you look at Iowa's best teams during the Ferentz tenure, Brad Banks, 2002, Heisman runner-up, mobile quarterback. Ricky Stanzi got the job done. He could at least maneuver in the pocket, make some things happen. C.J. Beathard in 2015, he wasn't a blazer, but he can maneuver the pocket and make the big throws. And I think that's ultimately what's been wrong with Iowa. And I'll even argue that last year's offense is the same as this year's, Jeremy. But Iowa's offense was much more opportunistic last year, and they had a solid kicking game that could at least keep them in games. So, so David, uh, Illinois' defense for Iowa fans that don't know, they're legit. Like, like the last calendar year, this has been one of the best defenses in the Big Ten uh, with a star up-and-coming coach in Ryan Walters who, who might be a Power 5 head coach in, in a couple years. Um, but their front, David, is Johnny Newton, Keith Randolph. There are not a pair of defensive linemen probably playing as well as those guys. And uh, the, the bad thing for Illinois is those guys might not be around next year. Uh, but Calvin Averett, nose guard, a former four-star prospect, all those guys yep. are very highly recruited. Um, they are legit. And in the back end, they got a couple NFL prospects. Devin Witherspoon's one of the better corners, kind of guy you've seen at Iowa uh, the last several years. Quan Martin at nickel, a very, very good player. Uh, and Sidney Brown looks like Troy Palomalu kind of plays like him too. Um, so so what is what is the best-case scenario for Iowa's offense uh, against a defense that is right now above Iowa in, in a lot of categories, which is crazy yeah. to say? Yeah, and, you know, again, I think Iowa's defense is better than even the statistics indicate. I think it's simply because Iowa's defense is on the field a stupid amount of time. Yeah. I mean, ridiculous, right? Iowa, I believe, entering last week was 105th in time of possession. That's not Iowa football. That's never been Iowa football. That's a losing formula and like you said I, i've always respected illinois defense because i've always thought their physicality is arguably the, the best in the big 10 hard hits forcing fumble i mean jake hansen was one of my favorite players to watch in the big yeah. 10 when he was when he was around I, I i respected his game a whole lot and i think that's something that's going to be extra emphasized this week is i was going to take care of the football they're going to have to be ready to get you know busted up in the chops a few times and I think this is a huge, huge test for Iowa's offensive line. I think they've continued to show growth at times. Again, I think Connor Colby is going to be a future NFL guy. I think Mason Richmond is going to make a roster. I think Logan Jones at center is ultimately going to be an NFL guy. But these are young, talented prospects that are still trying to piece things together. And Colby was all, I believe, 24-7 sports freshman All-American last year, but he was playing guard. They moved him out to tackle, and there's just a lot of technical things he's still trying to, I think, trying to pick up there. But like you said, I, I think it's going to be a very intriguing game for Iowa. I'm not putting any stock or belief in Iowa's ability to run, especially against a defense that held Braylon Allen to Wisconsin to two rushing yards. I think you put Alabama up against Wisconsin a thousand times. I don't think Wisconsin gets held to two rushing yards. I mean, that's how much of an, an anomaly that game was to me. Again, I think Caleb Johnson can do some good things. Yeah. But if Iowa's going to win this game, they have to protect Spencer Petras, and Iowa's going to have to try to get risky. 
they gotta take some shots down the field. They have Sam to try Laporta to is the play guy. Action. Yeah, Sam Laporta is yep. the guy. I think the linebackers at Illinois have been solid really against the run, but I think they need to be tested in the passing game. Like that's what I would do. I, I would try and find those guys in the seam. Uh, I don't think it's gonna be easy as it was against Lovey Smith when they kind of sat in coverage and in cover yep. two. But um I, I would test those guys because I don't think the linebackers are as tested in coverage. Another game I would keep in mind too is Luke Lachey, son of okay. uh, former Buckeye great <clears throat> Jim Lachey. He's had a breakout last couple of weeks. He had a four catches for 84 yards and a touchdown last week against Michigan. Funny enough, you know, obviously growing up hating Michigan, I think there's a little bit of an extra edge to him there. But this is a former uh, top 150 prospect by 24-7 Sports. Uber athletic guy, can get down the field. I think he's going to be playing on Sundays in his future, especially I think when he becomes a prime focal point of Iowa's offense next year but again with the way illinois plays they play a lot of man i think there's gonna be a lot of one-on-one opportunities for iowa and i think iowa's receivers need to step up to the challenge and another name i would keep in mind and maybe i want to have a breakout game but Iowa's gonna try to target a little bit more is arlen bruce and that was the one receiver that's been available also scholarship receiver that's been available all year has been very very quiet and not as targeted over the past couple of weeks after getting off to a pretty good start in his first couple of games i think he's one of iowa's best playmakers I think he can make things happen in space. They can utilize him in jet sweep and in motion to try to throw off the defense, which Iowa scheme is not complicated. Like, let's yeah. not be real. You're not you're not throwing off anybody. But Arlen can make things happen in open space, and I, I would expect Iowa to at least try to get him involved a little bit more. Uh, the matchup I, I can't wait for is uh, potentially the Buckus Award winner, Campbell, against potentially the Doak Walker Award winner and Chase yep. Brown. I mean, if, if you're the – Big Ten Network, you're going to be building up that matchup, right? Like, what do you think of that? I love it. And, again, I think Jack Campbell's been really disappointed with uh, last week's performance against Michigan because I think Campbell wanted to hit the – just hit the gaps a lot quicker than he did. So, again, you talk about Chase Brown, who, again, I've been incredibly impressed with his skill set. And I've always said if he played on a team that's not named Illinois, he would have been better than a third-team All-Big Ten back, in, in my opinion, last year. I think he's that dynamic. I'm very excited for it. I'm very excited for the the physicality between Illinois' O-line and Iowa's defensive line. Because, again, I think Iowa's defensive line's got some dogs. I think they've done a good job at sealing the edge. But I do think it's very interesting to me that the way Michigan approached it, they ran a lot more in between the tackles than I thought they would. I thought they would try to utilize the speed on the outside a lot more. But I think that also gives testament to Iowa's edge rushers as far as sealing containing the edge. I think John Wagoner has been a guy – he was a former four-star by 24-7 Sports. Really has had, a, I want to say, a slow start to his career, but he's really pieced it together in his final season. But he's a guy who I think is among the Big Ten's best at containing that edge. So I'm very, again, the chess match between Bielema's offense and, and Phil Parker's defense. I think it's I think Bielema's going to throw a couple tricks in there as well because you talk about the momentum of the program, beating your alma mater yeah. and getting just, I think, an Iowa curse that's kind of been looming over the heads of Illinois football fans over the last few years. Again, especially considering the way they've kind of lost those games. Yeah. Uh, so I expect, you know, everything to be thrown against the wall in this game for both teams. Uh, if you're an Iowa fan, I think the one edge you have to exploit is special teams. You, you mentioned it before, David, but uh, Illinois had – it's maybe it's best punter ever. Blake Hayes is gone. Uh, a kicker, James Accord, who's on a practice squad in the NFL, he's gone. And they've had real inconsistency in the punting game and the kicking game. And their starting kicker, Caleb Griff- Griffin, couldn't even kick off the other day because uh, he had some kind of injury that limits him. He still kicked field goals and made a 42-yarder. Uh, but uh, he's been a little bit limited, and, and that could affect some play calling 
three points in this game could make a big difference. Six points in this game could make a big difference. And we know how good Tory Taylor is, uh, the Aussie thing. We all know here at Illinois because of Blake Hayes. Uh, And and they've just been so strong in special teams that, you know, for once, first time in probably about three or four years, uh, special teams is is a weakness and a concern for Illinois. I think something – yeah, I like how you brought that up. And, I mean, I've said LeVar Woods probably could have been a head coach by now. I think what he's done with Iowa special teams, it's unbelievable. And the fact is, this is an underrated part I feel feel like some other teams don't understand, is LeVar Woods' passion for special teams is why Iowa's been so effective in it. And I think you can go back to earlier in the year, just the way he schemes up certain punt coverages, kickoff coverages. Keep in mind, Lucas Van Ness, who I brought up earlier, he blocked two punts earlier this season and that that was a play that they just drew up in practice because they saw an exploitation in just the the way that the team was punt blocking or punt protecting so i'm expecting lavar woods to throw in a couple wrinkles with that and i i expect iowa to go all out and like you said a blocked punt's not gonna surprise me i think i was kicked off i just you know obviously losing charlie jones hurts in more ways than one now Mm -hmm. that you know iowa fans are seeing what he's doing at purdue they're not exactly thrilled uh, with what's going on in Iowa's passing game. But like you mentioned, I think it's a big edge for Iowa. I think Torrey Taylor is the best punter in the country. And he literally, I would argue from last season, Jeremy, he could have been Iowa's MVP through the first six games. I mean, that's how dynamic and how game-changing he was. And that's how big he's been this year. I also consider him almost like a 12th defender yeah. on the football field because, again, Iowa got two safeties against South Dakota State and what was the most painful game to watch. Like, I, I feel bad for everybody that was there. I was being paid to be there, and I didn't want to be there. Yeah. I mean, that's how bad it was. But Tory is, I think, the best coffin kicker in the country. And if he, if they get put Illinois in some of those situations, Iowa's going to go all out and, you know, put up points on the board. And that's how Iowa – it's almost as effective as their offense yeah. at this point, right? Yeah. Punter MVP discussion. I remember that <laughs> with Blake Hayes for most of his uh, career. Uh, any any other nuggets or any kind of keys to the game that, that you're looking at that uh, might go under the radar here, David? You know, I wouldn't say under the radar. I just think both defenses are going to have the same outlook. Stop the run and make the quarterback beat him. Again, yeah. I think DeVito's proven he's much more capable of that this season than Spencer. But I also think... Look, people argue that Iowa's offense showed progress last week because they look at the stats. They look at, oh, they scored a couple touchdowns. I call them fluff stats. When the game mattered and the game was in session, Iowa had 98 yards and they were down by 20. That's the way I look at it. And then, you know, credit Spencer Petras. He got hot, complete 11 of 14 passing. I think when Iowa felt urgency, I think that's when their offense was at their best. So does that momentum carry over into an actual legitimate must-win game? I don't know that, but I expect both teams to sell out the run, make the quarterbacks beat them, and it's going to be one in between the lines. Can it can Illinois' rushing attack run against Iowa's defense? If that answer is yes, I think that's the way the game's going to go. I'm wondering to get your opinion here because I feel like if this game, if, if Illinois wins this, right, like it is an arrival moment for them. Um, but but if Iowa loses this, like I, Joey Wagner looked at me and said, "What with Wisconsin firing Paul Christ?" Is, is Iowa starting to feel that way? Like, I know Kirk, like Kirk is entrenched there. He's one of the best coaches ever there, along with Hayden Fry. But what is, the, what is the temperature there if they lose this game? I think it's an interesting question. I think, I think you have to take a – I think people need to take a step back and evaluate the full body of work, which is going to oh, frustrate absolutely. people in the moment. But 
I was recruiting at an all-time high level. They're recruiting better and better every single year. I mean, they're, they're the number one offensive tackle coming in next year, which I think will provide immediate help. They got Xavier Wampa, number one safety. I know they're in-state guys that could win everywhere. Iowa's recruiting more talent than they've had before. Iowa's won games. I mean, they're, I think they're in the top 10 in the country over the past six years in overall wins, at least among power five teams. I think that speaks for itself. Still putting players in the NFL. I think there's going to be a boiling temperature for Kirk to make some offensive changes. Yeah in terms of firing a, maybe a coach or two. Now, who do they fire? I don't know. I think Kelton Copeland's been a good wide receivers coach. Iowa's tight end tradition speaks for itself. I think George Barnett, I think people need to give him one more year because he's bringing in a lot of talent and he's a proven offensive line coach. Liddell Betts, I think, has done a nice job with the running backs. I mean, I know everybody's a good point to Brian, but I think we both know how that's going to go. But with Gary Barta, I mean, if you look at Iowa's major three sport, four sports, Brands, Lisa Bluter for women's basketball, Fran McCaffrey, and 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 Kirk, these are all longtime tenured coaches, yeah. and they don't have any plans on going anywhere. But like you said, it does raise an interesting question, and I might be able to take it more seriously if Kirk didn't sign an extension right. just prior to Iowa's bowl game last year. I believe it takes him through 2029. So. And yeah, the buyouts. I, I don't want this. Too. I don't. I don't want Iowa fans to listen to this and be like, "Is he suggesting?" Uh, Kirk's no, 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 no. And it, I'm not. It's, it's, it's a just, fair question. It's just because Wisconsin making that move was so shocking, David. That it's like this this program that has been stability, right? Iowa yep. and Wisconsin are stable programs. The fact that they fired a successful two time Big Ten Coach of the Year, I understand why it happened. Yep. I just thought end of the year it would happen if they go seven and five or six and six. I didn't expect it five games in and just all the changes in college athletics with NIL and expansion. It just seems like there's more urgency it's and nuts. quick trigger to all of this. No, I, I feel like, it, I feel like the NCAA and just the way everything is going has been, it's just a complete overcorrection. I think it's going to be very gray for the next couple of years before it kind of mellows out. We get back to what is probably the correct way to go about it. But a couple of things I would mention about, the Kirk thing. And I, I hope people don't take it that way either. Cause I didn't take it that way. Yeah. I mean, I was not contemplating firing Kirk. No, that makes just sense. get that on the clear, but I look back to remember what happened after Iowa got rid of Dr. Tom Davis for the basketball program, right? You got Steve Alford and you know, I know the name's cursed. Mm-hmm. And then we saw what happened before Fran McCaffrey got there. And there's a fear of going back to that bad level. For, you know, and I think that's why when you see Iowa's athletic department and the coaches, that's why they keep extending them is they don't want to make that mistake. And the other thing I would point to, look what happened in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin's a better job than Nebraska. Would you have said that 20 years ago? I don't think anybody in the right mind was said that 20 years ago, right? And if you look at Paul Chris's record with Bo Pelini's, Jeremy, they're, they're about identical. Right Now, I'm not suggesting that Wisconsin's going down where Nebraska's going. But they're look, vulnerable now. But they're vulnerable. <laughs> and this is a critical juncture with the ever-changing landscape of college football, as you just mentioned. This next hire, you talk about the long-term future, which is why they said they fired Chris, right? Yeah. Talk about long-term future. This is going to be an incredibly critical hire for the Wisconsin football program. And I would argue for Nebraska. Because yeah. I've, I've long said, if Frost can bring him back, nobody can bring him back. Now, knowing why I know about Frost, I, I don't really believe that now after we've watched what happened this tenure. I think Mickey Joseph could take that job. And look, people are going to laugh at me when I say this, Jeremy. Nebraska is just as much of a threat in the West as anybody. 
Well, they they are because they have the resources and NIL. Nobody could do better. Uh, they oh. they need a good coach though. Like the Mickey Joseph thing just does not make. Go get Lance Leipold. Go go get to. him. It's 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 idiotic if they don't look yeah. what he's on Kansas. We live in an era, Jeremy, where Kansas football got re- resurge of Kansas football before Nebraska. Yes, because they had it's, a good coach, it, a good program crazy. building coach. Like those things still matter. I think you're seeing it now at Illinois. No matter what people think about PJ Fleck, you got to give him his due at this point with, with how he's been able to build it. So that that's the model. That, that's the model of what you can do, and then. If you want more, eventually you go get more. But, yeah, I mean, Wisconsin's got to nail this higher because, I mean, we're young enough, David. Um, might not look it anymore, but, like, we're young <laughs> enough that we don't remember Wisconsin being terrible. They were no. terrible before Barry Alvarez got there. Uh, and it's it's Nebraska showing. Like, everyone keeps picking Nebraska to finish high in the Big Ten West, and I keep picking them seventh what, and sixth. What did you, what did you pick them? I'm seventh. Them last this year? I think I, I did, too. Because, like – Everyone was like, oh, these transfers are all going to work out. The new coaching staff. And I said, that's also a recipe for disaster. All these mercenaries coming together for one yep. season with their coach on the hot list or hot seat. If they lose a game or two, they're not supposed to. That's all going to fall apart. And no I don't get these right very often, but just, <laughs> I've, I've seen it. I've seen it before where all these like transfers, all these quick fixes. It's not usually the way to go, man. And to the counterpoint of you saying we don't remember Wisconsin being bad. We don't remember Nebraska being good. Maybe outside 2009. Polini. Like, Polini was, they had them, you know, they were good. They weren't Now, great. I was going to say, this generation of recruits don't remember Nebraska being good. No. And and, and and I know, you know, Nebraska fans, if any of them listen to this, like, I'm going to get trounced for this. And But they don't remember them being good. And I think the way Trev Alberts has operated, I'm not, I'm not sleeping on Nebraska because Trev Alberts has said, we need to forget what we've done. Like, nobody cares what we did 30 years ago. But also, Trev Alberts just wasted a year. Oh, no question. It didn't save that. any money doing everybody, it. Everybody knew Frost should have been gone at the end of last year, right? I yeah, mean, but I thought it was all to save money. He didn't save any money. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, though, that did make a ripple effect, I think, with saying we don't care about the buyout. We're not going to wait two weeks to do it. So I think it sent a strong message, but I don't know. But um, you want me to throw my prediction on here, Jeremy, to cap Yeah, if, if you off? want to. I mean, I have, I have 2013 Illinois. I think Illinois is going to strain. Uh, offensively because Iowa's really good. Uh, I think Iowa could have a turnover that, hey, early in the game, they they have some momentum. I, I just don't believe in the Iowa offense, and I believe a lot in, in the Illinois defense. So uh, I think this is going to be a close game. I think it's going to be far more competitive than Wisconsin was. And I think Illinois is going to face some adversity. But based on the five games I've seen of both these teams, and I've tried to watch a lot of Iowa. Illinois is the better, Sorry. Fo- Illinois is the better football <laughs> team right now. And I, I think most of Iowa fans that have watched Illinois would probably agree with that. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I don't think you're, you know, I don't think Illinois fans hate me after my, my prediction, Jeremy. Uh, yeah. You, know, you, did, you didn't that. make enemies like Michael Hogan. <laughs> Shout Michael. Uh, I can't believe in Iowa's offense. No. I, there, there's nothing I can say that, that makes me believe you can't look at any statistic or any scheme that's going to make me believe in them. And as I wrote in the VIP piece for, for your site, I have a, I usually have a philosophy of if a team has a long losing streak against a certain team, I will not pick them. Mm-hmm. I think there's a mental psychological component to it that's not talked about enough. And I mean, you even saw it in Iowa, Iowa state, Iowa state did everything to lose that game. Like honestly, neither team deserved to win that game. No. That was a horrible football game. So I have Illinois 24, 13. I, and I think Iowa's defense is certainly good enough to hold Illinois under that. 
I think Iowa can create turnovers. But even in short field position, Iowa has not been able to put points on the board. And against an Illinois defense, I think defense is going to – if Iowa wants to win this game, they have to score on special teams or defense. Yeah. And, I, and if you're talking about 130 other teams and not Iowa, that sounds ludicrous. But because we're talking about Iowa and how many points they can put up on special teams and defense – it's it really is Jeremy their best offense at this point. Yeah, and I have enough confidence on like last year with Illinois, which Illinois did have what twenty three against Iowa on that game. But like, I have I enough confidence. So, yeah. I have enough confidence in this offense to have like five or six chances to score. Like that's not to say they're going to have four hundred yards, but I think they're going to have five or six drives where they get in Iowa territory and have a chance to score. And, and I think they've shown enough and have enough playmakers with like you know Pat Bryant, Tommy DeVito, and Chase Brown that they'll yep. find a way to, to get in the end zone once or twice. You know, again, with, with Bielema's system, time possession is huge. And I think as, as conditioned and as great as Iowa's defense is, if they're on the field 40 minutes a game, like nobody can blame them if they give up 300 yards and 20 points. And if they only hold them to that while being on the field for 40 minutes. It's good enough to win. It, it's, it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. It's crazy. David Eichel, Hawkeye Insider, Jeremy Warner, Line Enquirer Publisher. Uh, great always catching up with you, David. I appreciate it, Jeremy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk some Illinois football things specifically. Joey Wagner joins us as we preview Illinois against Iowa. And, Joey, I don't think it's hyperbole to say this is this is a turning point game potentially, an arrival game. I know we talked about Wisconsin was. Now this one can be, make it even more so. Um, what an opportunity for Illinois, 630 under the lights, 5-1, and one, ranked potentially, uh, and the potential to – beat Iowa for the first time since 2008. Now, I know they've only played eight times since then, but still, uh, that is a long, long losing streak. So, it's not hyperbole to think this is the biggest game for Illinois football in, what, 10, 11 years? Yeah, it still feels weird. I, I try to be really measured about those, and it still feels really weird to say that, but yeah, I think so. And I think, I, I like your like the arrival game, I feel like. It's probably like the way you put it. That's probably the best way I can think because I mean winning this game does go a long way or an important way in helping you if you want to try to win the West but I just think it's 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 Illinois football right like I still think nationally people are like uh, you can find any excuse in the book like if you're looking at the schedule like yeah, Virginia's down Chattanooga Wyoming this isn't West Con- like you beat Iowa and I know Iowa's got a fair fair share of offensive issues this is still the Iowa defense and this is still Iowa and to win back-to-back weeks, Wisconsin and Iowa, it's like name recognition that people would look at and say, okay, all right, like th- this is really moving along. And I think that is – like I know we said a lot of this last week, but 
you want to stack those, right? Yeah. And you want to show that this is a real thing. And, and I, I think the arrival game is is the most important. Cause I, I don't know, like, you know, season there's obviously implications, but just in terms of perception, that that's really big. Yeah, I think it compare very favorably to what Kansas is doing, right? Like they haven't beat a ranked opponent yet, uh, and that's why this week I think for them TCU, if they get to six and zero, oh, oh my goodness, right? Like you're talking about another huge thing because they got a huge, uh, tough schedule coming up: TCU, Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Uh, not to get too much in the weeds of Big Twelve play here, but they've had a schedule that gave them opportunities. But for a program like Kansas. Beating West Virginia, Houston, Duke, Iowa State, all back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back is nothing to, to scoff at. And it's the same thing with Illinois, right? Understand it's not Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State you're beating back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, but to beat the teams you have, Virginia, uh, Wisconsin, if you can add Iowa to that, um, that's massive for this program, especially given the, the two rivals, two recruiting rivals, especially Wisconsin and Iowa, two programs you want to be. Uh, I think that would be. Uh, a massive step forward for this program. And then I think momentum matters in college sports, Joe. I I really do. And um, I think having that momentum going into Minnesota and having Nebraska Northwestern left on your schedule, I think if you win this game, like a Big Ten West championship, it becomes realistic. I think if you lose this game, it becomes very hard. Even if you come back and bounce and and still win those other Big Ten West teams, I just think, you know, having – two losses before you get to two wins uh, in the Big Ten would be would be very difficult for this team to, to find a way to do that. So I just think it puts so much more on the table short-term and long-term for this program. If you can stack Wisconsin-Iowa back-to-back, the momentum would be, be something we haven't seen in a long time for this program. Yeah, I'm with you. And the West is interesting. I still think next, like if they win the next two, then I think like you really, really, really like yeah. for at least for me, like that's when the conversation or for us planning purposes, like you have to factor that into the mix. But the longer you can stay, like the longer the conversation's real, right? Right now the yes. conversation is real enough, like, hey, Illinois can win the West. Dude, ride that. You'll see media like we we've seen a Brett Bioma did his T V tour basically uh early this week. We've seen national outlets come in and talk like that's that's the momentum you're talking about. And that momentum in part, not solely, but in part exists because the opportunity to win the West is still viable. You can argue how realistic it is or what, you know, if you think it will or won't happen, that's fine, but it's still a viable yeah. discussion. And that's backed up both in the eye test and obviously in the win loss, like the, probably to this point, more the eye test and that because it went so early still, but yeah, man, that's, that's the big part of this here is just, the momentum and momentum doesn't stop on the field, right? Like that's that's the other big part of this. Like you got some recruiting momentum, and you got momentum in the sense of fan Season fans are buying in nil. Maybe more nil opportunities come up, and and now you can bring these recruits in. This worked out perfectly, by the way, a night game. Yes, like you you can bring these recruits in, and you hope. And Illinois sure has not been bashful about pushing out the the ticket. I don't even want to talk about tickets. The ticket deal uh, to to just get people to push to get people in that it's just kind of all ties together. And that's what Brett Bielema said today. Yeah. And I think we talk about ticket momentum, right? You win this game, that FOMO that Josh Whitman talked about all of a sudden, I think that's felt even more. You don't want to miss a five and one game against Minnesota homecoming. Maybe you can get some of these grads in from the tailgate lot. 
into right. memorials. So I have friends who come up and like, ah, we're just going to tailgate. Yeah. And but maybe you get those extra. I don't know what what the number is. But like that's the FOMO. That's the momentum. And that way, it's it's huge. Yeah. Now, if you lose that game, I think we saw when Illinois lost to Indiana. I wrote at the time. I thought that was like a five to ten thousand ticket hit. I really do. I, I think the same could happen now. It's homecoming that helps. People might be buying up tickets now, but I think you take a serious ticket loss. Like if you can build on that, get a sellout crowd, uh, and then find a way to win. But even if you don't, if it's a competitive game, like I just think that momentum matters and stacking it. And I think Illinois and Iowa games probably can be picked on college game day. It doesn't happen a lot for, for Illinois. Yeah. Um, I, I think if Illinois wins that game against Iowa, they're ranked, and that Minnesota game is kind of built up as kind of a Big Ten West semifinal kind of, even though I know there's so much moving forward with Purdue. and But Iowa would almost be out of the mix by that point. Two losses uh, with Ohio State coming up, that's really hard to bounce back from. I still think you got to win six Big Ten games probably to win the West. Um, Iowa would find that hard to come back from. Wisconsin would find it hard to come back from. We know Northwestern Nebraska certainly aren't going to be in that mix. So all of a sudden you'd set yourself up for a three-team race, right, um, if, you, if you win this game potentially. So just so much on the line, and that's so much fun. Like there's there's so much on the line for this game. So let's let's get into it, Joey, about what this matchup is. You know, I thought Iowa was a better chance to win than Wisconsin going into the stretch. I said I think they'll win one of the next two just because the Iowa's offense is so bad. It is 125th. I'm looking at uh, offensive efficiency in the country. But the one thing Iowa has that Wisconsin didn't have is Iowa has one side of the ball it certainly can count on, and it's defense, which is one of the best in the country. And I think they're far better defensively than Wisconsin team we saw last week. But also special teams. Their special teams is strong. Illinois is not. So Illinois certainly has a huge advantage offensively. Weird to say that. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, defensively, I think both these teams are great in the Big Ten, great in the uh, you know elites when you talk about the country. But special teams, Iowa certainly has the advantage there, and it's just an Iowa defense that can make plays. But they're going to have to score on defense or offense, I think, for Iowa to win this game. Getting your elites out of the way for basketball media yes. day tomorrow. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like this. This is such an interesting test for this Lunny led offense. Yep. For Illinois, they haven't seen a defense like this and to be frank jeremy will they moving forward after this michigan 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 yeah but this is one of your two hardest games on paper and by the eye test defensively that you're going to play all year and that's let's see what this is made of and i do wonder what you know what that's going to look like and it's this is not going to be i think they do fireworks for touchdowns at night there's probably gonna be some leftovers Right. I mean, I don't imagine you're going to see a lot of those, but you, do you have any advantage offensively? When was the last time, Jeremy, that you straight up said that? I mean, against a Big Ten opponent. Yeah, yeah. I'm not counting the Chattanoogas of the world or or whatever. I mean, last year going to the Northwestern game, going into the season, you didn't feel that, right? Like, but even going to that Northwestern game, no one saw that coming. Like you just thought Northwestern was so bad, right. but you thought Illinois was just a little bit better than that bad. Um, yeah, it's not often. Not often it's happened, and that's why Barry Lonnie was such a big hire. And I agree. I thought Barry Lonnie, Tommy DeVito were the keys to winning at Wisconsin. Those guys were great. Those guys were I, – I, I can't – I always put them together, Joey, because I don't think you can mention DeVito 
without Lunny because they're both new. They're both a really good combination, and they're both a huge reason of why this offense is taking a big step forward. And I think what you've seen the last couple of weeks with this offense is the efficiency. Uh, they're getting better gradually. I think the interior of the offensive line is getting better. I think Tommy uh, is making better decisions and getting more comfortable uh, in the offense. I think Barry is understanding his personnel more. Um, I know he complained about the one touchdown they didn't get after the turnover, uh, the special teams miscue there. But, like, I think he's getting better at the red zone about what he needs to do to score touchdowns or to take care of the ball in those situations. And um, I think they're getting better, and I think it's a middle-of-the-pack offense, which in this game, if you can get to 20 points, you feel pretty dang good about yourself. Yeah, I thought the red zone evolution against Wisconsin was really telling because you could have argued they should have run a sneak at Indiana. Yeah, and they did that, and they did it again. And some of the tr- and like some of the Isaiah Williams throw, like that was a great play, a throw to Chase Brown instead of a run. Like those didn't count, but I thought those were creative play calls um, that were different than just handing the ball out of the shotgun to Chase Brown. Is there a sense to you? And buying time isn't what probably what I'm looking for here with my words, but try to just find ways until you get Josh McCray back. And quick update, we should probably mention that it sounds like he's day-to-day. Uh, Brett Bielma says they'll see how his body recovers as they get closer to Saturday. What's your uh, – very... I, I, I said it during the Wisconsin postgame. I thought he will be back by Nebraska after the bye week. You know, Brett suggesting something. I think maybe he's getting Iowa to ready to prepare for him. Maybe now Minnesota is more in play here. But do you play in Minnesota when you could just sit him and tell Nebraska? Because Brett has talked about, I want to make sure we don't bring him back early and hurt him long term because he's he's going to be the number one back next year, right? So like, yes, I don't think you want to set back. I've never thought like, oh, he's definitely going to be back for Wisconsin. I thought that was way too far or way too aggressive, and I didn't think Brett ever thought that was going to be the case. I've always set Nebraska as my bar, but maybe he can come back a week early. I'd I'd be a little surprised if he played uh, against Wisconsin based on or against Iowa based on what we saw injury against Wyoming. Yeah, I think I'm I'm with you there. And then that gets just gets me to wonder. Like I said, do you go now? You probably do again if he can go against Minnesota. You go because that's yeah. A lot of the same themes we're talking in terms of West standings probably are like tenfold, depending on what this looks like going into Minnesota. And maybe it's five carries or something. You're not putting them out there for 20. Right? Yeah. But I, I guess my my point is, like, you, do you get a sense that – and, again, buying time is what I'm going to use, but it's not what I mean because I think there, there is ways to expand the red zone, especially that, like, very tight inside the five situations, just to tell you get your bruiser back. And, and that's no knock on Chase Brown, who can fight through a lot of tackles. But I, I do wonder how much of this you're going to need to see uh, when big Josh McRae comes back. It's, he is like that. His body type is kind of built for where the two see in the end zone type yeah. of guy. And, and it's just – and the offensive line, obviously, is coming around quite a bit and helping on that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you've seen the RPO used more uh, between yep. the 20s, right? I think The draws. Seen... The draws have been – Dude, those have been – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you. Those have been hitting. Like, we saw them against Chattanooga. We were all fixated with the RPOs. We should have been. There was a lot of them. The draw against Wisconsin is what sprung the 49-yarder for Chase Brown. And he didn't get touched. Like, that is – that's a – I don't remember the last time we saw, like, a straight-up draw before this year. Yeah, and I think you're seeing guys get better. Pat Bryant's gotten better. Like, I know we've been enamored with him because he's something they haven't had in a while. And we should be like, he's, he's got NFL potential. It's been a while since Illinois had that kind of wide receiver 
Um, but he's not dropping as many, right? And some of the catches he's making, the chemistry between he and uh, Tommy DeVito. And then once you think Bryant's coming, oh, they go to Hightower for five catches in the first half against Wisconsin. Oh, they got a third guy they can go to on top of Isaiah Williams and Pat Bryant. Last year they had one, and Casey Washington and Daniel Barker, I guess, every once in a while. You know, Casey Washington's now the fourth wide receiver on this team. Like, that's a huge improvement. And I think the interior of the offensive line is getting way better. Uh, Alex Pilstrom had his best game. Uh, he, he crushed Keanu Benton a couple times, and Keanu's kind of been built as a NFL nose tackle. I thought he was the second-best nose tackle on the field at Wisconsin. But Zy Chrysler, the coaches say, had his best game. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, the rest of the group, you know, Pearl and Adams have been pretty good, and, and Palczewski's been dominant. So I think it's just a group that's gradually getting better, and they need to because, I, as you said, Joey, I'm looking at the efficiency stats on ESPN for defense. Virginia – by efficiency stat is the best one they've played. I think Wisconsin will end up being that guy, but they haven't played a defense quite like Iowa quite yet because Iowa's, they got a strong defensive front. Uh, their linebackers are the best linebackers Illinois might see all year along with Michigan and their defensive backs are, are playmakers that, you know, playing that zone coverage They're They got their eyes on the ball. So it's a, it's a great test. And it's a great measure of how much progress this Illinois offense has made. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, you just haven't seen it. Like, I don't remember the last time you could say that for more than this Indiana, you, you could put in that mix. I thought they moved the ball well against Indiana. They, I don't think Illinois' offense has been for more than like four stretches, really str- like four series, really stressed this season. Like for the most part, and it's a credit to them. Yeah. It's also a matter of playing the Wyoming's, the Indiana's, the the Virginias of the world that you're pretty much able to do what you want. So like what? What's this look like when, when they're when they're stressed and, that said, and yards I, are hard to come by? That said, I thought Wisconsin would stress them a little bit more, right? They like, didn't. And they yeah, did. that's, so that's, that's credit to Illinois. Part. That's credit to Illinois as well. I know, you know, Wisconsin gave up a bunch of points to Ohio State, but um, Ohio State's different. Like I think Wisconsin's defense is going to be top half of the Big Ten by the end of the year. So I still think that's a, a notch in their belt and, and showed improvement. I just don't what, see. Go ahead. What What will you learn? about the Illinois like we we talk about this and and I I didn't think we knew a lot in big picture going into Wisconsin but what will you learn about the offense on Saturday I think Illinois has an advantage potentially in physicality uh, against Iowa's defensive line Uh, but Iowa's got some really good athletes like Lucas Van Ness is an interesting matchup because I think like Palczewski could pancake him a few times but Van Ness is a really long athletic good pass rusher uh, linebackers are probably the biggest test because Jack Campbell is the best linebacker Illinois will play all season. Wisconsin didn't have that guy this year. Um, and so I'm really interested to see how they get to the second level, how Pilstrom and Chrysler and, and Adams deal with that. But I think the biggest thing is they're going to force you to, to make good decisions. And Tommy DeVito is going to have to make good decisions throughout this game. And he's done that recently but the thing about zone defense is they they're going to give you some windows to throw into but they also had their eyes on the ball so I think Tommy DeVito is gonna have to be very disciplined and looking off defenders right like um and making sure that he's not throwing the ball in harm's way because this team can do that just like Illinois like Illinois does a great job of forcing turnovers this Iowa team does it in a different way in zone coverage but uh they force you to be very disciplined and make 
good throws. It's like how Lovey Smith wanted to do things. They're just far better um, at the line of scrimmage and, and in the trenches. Yeah, I'm with you there. And I just I'm trying to think of what like what would make me leave Memorial Stadium on Saturday and say, man, this offense. It's been yardage wise, it's been good, but maybe we've not given it the enough credit. I don't even know if enough is it. I mean, this offense is the story of the season, right? It's, it's right. great. As weird as it is to say that, we knew this defense would be good. Maybe we didn't know it'd be great. Like, I I hate using the term all the time, but elite. Like they're right now elite through five games, uh, and they certainly have been through most of two Big Ten games, right? Uh, and I think they're going to have a really good day on Saturday against the offense they're playing, but. I think we knew they would be good. The question was, how good can the offense be um, to help Illinois take that huge step forward? Like, if this offense were on last year's defense, they would have won eight games, right? At least seven. Um, if this offense, they can win eight games, nine games potentially, yeah. whatever, uh, because this offense is not only competent, but I, I think it's middle of the pack in the Big Ten, and that's what Wisconsin always is. Iowa tends to be, not the last couple of years. Uh, but that's that's what you need when you have one great side of the ball. You need the other side to, to play complementary football. Didn't happen last year, and um, if, if I think they've shown Joey that they're good enough, right? They're good enough oh, if they yeah. if they take care of the ball. Yeah, it, it is pretty remarkable to step back. I know we talked about the offensive line a minute ago. Just in five games, I feel like we have visibly seen this offense take it. Now, I don't know if that looks different statistically game to game, other than point total. But I just think we've seen this offense take a couple steps since that Wyoming game. Maybe I'm exaggerating. I don't know. No, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, it was turnovers at the beginning of the year, right? Deep balls weren't getting converted. Penalties. You've seen each of those things get better and better as the season goes on. Red zone. Yeah, red zone. Yeah, I I think you're just seeing incremental steps. And we had talked about that, and Barry Lunny had talked about that, where it's like there had been moments where you see the shades, the outlines, the – the, the foundation of a good offense. And, and I still don't think they're all the way there. I think that'd be a huge stretch to say. That said, but I think, Joey, sorry to interrupt. They, no, are, they are 54th in the country in offensive efficiency, according to ESPN. Would, you would have probably taken Sign that run up. with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's really, and I think there's still, I don't know how much. Like, I don't know how close they are. I don't even want to use ceiling. But, like, I I still think there's some some ways to go there offensively and and you saw probably a little less of it but there have been some you know you like to see him move the ball a little bit better get it into field goal range things along those lines i mean if you're talking about the big 10 west they have a top three offense in the big 10 west i mean maybe nebraska can be that but they're gonna have to score like I i think they just have to like they have talent but i think illinois um minnesota and purdue right like, I like Good Minnesota. Talk. I like Illinois, and Minnesota because they're balanced. But Purdue, uh, I mean, they're able to throw the ball like they are and score like they are. So, but Purdue, I don't think defensively is good. Even though I say that, they just played well against Minnesota. Um, you take that top half Big Ten West offense. Absolutely, you got a chance to win the West because your defense is that good. Say that again. Illinois might have a top. I don't even think it's might. Probably has the top three offense in the Big Ten West. There you go. It's a long way. That's what Barry Lunny was brought here to do defensively oh man Calvin Avery talked about eating which not a surprise but he's eating he seems to be eating a little bit less can we just say you you and I both saw him like we we don't get to see like he's not a guy we talk to a lot so we yeah. don't see him not made available uh, a lot. very often he looked good dude 
Calvin Avery, that's as good as I've seen Calvin Avery look, and it's not even close. He looked really, really good. Yeah, the reason, like, I, I don't think we, like, even me watching games, like, sometimes I'll see it on replay, but you go back and watch the film, and what you had the stats. Like, Calvin Avery has nine tackles, zero tackles for loss, zero sacks. So no one, no one notices him, and, and Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph are, are playing even better than him. Uh, that's not to say they aren't. But Calvin Avery is absolutely dominating when I go back and watch the film. So I've been focused on him, and I've been we've been talking about him maybe more than a lot of other people. But it's because he's been awesome. Uh, and, and we saw the first, I think, training camp practice. We got 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I went over and saw the lineman because that's what I do. And I saw just Ke- dreaming, just <laughs> dreaming of being a little taller. Aren't yeah, you, I'm just I, I go over and watch the line play because I love it. And and Calvin, I looked at it and I, I I think I came back to you and I said I think Calvin's in better shape. And it's not that Calvin like doesn't have doesn't look like Calvin Avery, but you have to look like as your dominating nose tackle. But like, he was noticeably more svelte, and he just looked like he was moving quicker. And he's always moved quick for a big guy. And then you hear the staff talking about him, and they're like, "Hey, he's playing well. He's playing well." But we got consistency, consistency. They they continue to harp on that throughout the season, but they know they're getting the best Calvin Avery right now. When you put that to Johnny Newton and Keith Randolph, that's why I have so much confidence in this defense. Is because that front end is one of the best front ends uh, in the Big Ten, and then the back end. I mean, Devin Witherspoon's an NFL player. I think Quan Martin's an NFL player. I don't know if he'll be drafted, but Sidney Brown's going to be in a camp. Like, that's a dang good defense, front and back end. A couple things on Calvin Avery. I thought Jay Lehman's film review on him, where he's like, dude, this whole side of the play, this, this I think it was a counter, this whole side is done. You've got nothing over here. Because of one guy, yeah. Because of one guy. And that's where you're like, it's exactly what we talked about with Rod Perry. It's like, it's probably not going to – nine tackles not dude you don't look he had one tackle against wisconsin you don't look at that twice if you're just reading a box score somewhere he's my but number one watch, star of the game for me i went back and watched the film i thought brett bielema who was asked about him today gave a really good compare it's been very clear in talking to coaches it's always been kind of they praised calvin but they've always come back with look it's consistency it's doing it and Brett Bielma likened him to Isaiah Gay last year, where he's like initially with change, which which there was last season, there's a little resistance, and resistance isn't always good because you revert back. And he said Terrence Jamison actually said it's it's a similar situation with Isaiah Gay that once you get over that initial Brett called it resistance, then you start to see an Isaiah Gay down the stretch play the best ball of his college career. And you're yeah. seeing Calvin Avery, some of it's opportunity, but the other part of it's this guy's just playing really good football and he's complimenting Keith Randolph, Johnny Newton and those outside backers in a way that gets very overlooked and I understand why if you're just looking number wise but man he without him we wonder that was our probably one of our top five defensive questions was what's what's nose guard look like and they didn't do anything to make us feel you know more comfortable they brought in everyone they could find in the portal to play nose guard and, and Calvin Avery's still in there taking it can I can I go back? Like I, I wrote this about Brian Hightower in my notebook. Like sometimes you get the off season hype about guys, right? And it just turns into that hype. Like we've seen that with Illinois basketball over the years as well. But including with football. Yeah. Um you know, sometimes you're like, I got I gotta see it, I gotta see it. Well, Brian Hightower has lived up to, hey, this guy's playing his best ball. Um you know, Pilstrom is proving that hey, he was he was worth the I guess the trust 
to put him at center and not go get a transfer. Taz Nicholson. Taz Nick. I was going right into Taz Nicholson has been fantastic since the Indiana game. Like he has been really good. That was a rough game for him. Uh, I know he got the forced fumble, but like that was a rough performance for him during certain stretches. Last three weeks, he's been great. Uh, and then Kendall Smith, like, listen, I don't think Kendall's year is quite as good as Kirby's year, even though the interceptions are coming. Uh, he's been fortunate, but like he's been in the right spots. And since that Indiana game, the first half, he has been reliable, which is what they needed in that position. Uh, and then you have gay back step up uh, when, when Ezekiel Holmes gets hurt and a guy that I think is coming around and, and going to be one of my keys uh, and probably my pick to click here. I'll give an early Ooh. fit here is Isaac dark Angelo. He's been, I think, their best linebacker the last couple of weeks. Been a great blitzer, uh, but one of my concerns. There's not many concerns. I, I, I don't think Iowa's scoring 20 points, right? I, I just don't think it's happening in this game unless the special teams and defense both score touchdowns. Like I do not see Ryan Walters' crew giving up two touchdowns. Maybe we'll clip this up later and it'll look stupid, but I just don't see it based on what we've seen from both Illinois' defense and Iowa's. Um, but I do think Iowa's got a couple of tight ends in, in Sam Laporta and Lachey, who are really good. And Illinois just hasn't been tested by a lot of tight ends quite this year. So, you know, maybe Sydney's the guy covering him, uh, which is always interesting because he's shorter, but he's certainly quicker. Uh, maybe Quan's covering some of those tight ends. But I do think the linebackers and some of that play-action stuff, they could get tested this week. So I, I think those guys are going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm with you. And, and it's Iowa football, right? Iowa football has tight ends, and, and you can say the same about Brett Bielema coach teams. Sam Laporta, you covered his com- recruitment to whatever degree you needed to cover it. If he's in the class of 2023, what does his recruitment look like? Illinois offers early and they close early. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's one position, uh, and two, they've just done a pretty good job of that. Now, Laporta, you know, Iowa didn't offer until late. He was the, he was the first Power 5 offer, but they have eyes on him before that, right? Like, sure. Pat Ryan probably has some connection at, what, Highland? <laughs> and uh, yeah. probably, you know, finds a way to, to get eyes on him. Like we're seeing with, you know, Matthew Bailey. You know, it was a, it was a heck of a find. They think T.J. Griffin's got really good ball skills, like, those are guys that they keep in touch with. They kind of monitor. They got a kid coming in this weekend, Michael Garner from Bloom. Don't know if they'll offer him, but he's an intriguing 6'7", 235 kid. They're going to get on campus. They're going to watch his film and keep eyes on him, and, and maybe it's something they don't act on until later. Maybe they never act at all, but they're going to be involved with it. Yeah, it's just such an interesting change. Matthew Bailey, Jeremy, dime, dime defender. Yeah, because uh, we thought Kendall Smith was the guy, right? Like when we saw that that rush, yeah. and I, th- I was like, I think Kendall. Okay. It was Matthew Bailey, dime package. Isn't that guy. crazy? You know, that's how Kendall Smith. Remember last year against Iowa, Kendall Smith, dime, which got gets me thinking. And I don't think this is the case. Could could Matthew Bailey? Like, I just think like, okay, he was a dime last year. Is is Kendall's spot open for him, or is he definitely sitting? No, he's sitting his guy. He's Sydney's guy because he's basically he's built he's basically like a Sydney. linebacker. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's built like a linebacker. They want him in the box, I would imagine. But I think he's a, is, you know, Kendall's not like the greatest quick twitch athlete. But I I think they're gonna want somebody like you know Keontae Curry is a really good athlete. T.J. Griffin's a really good athlete. Uh, maybe they could sell that spot in the portal, man, <laughs> to, to somebody who just wants to sit back there and ball hawk. But uh, yeah, I think Matthew Bailey would be a strong safety. Yeah, I mean this. There's other options, I suppose, in the class of 2023 that you could 
Ryan Walters, I feel like, just stands outside. Yes. Like with the boombox. Yes. Screw no, the transfer like, portal. Yeah, just get, just get and, that kid In love stories, you always stand out with the boombox. That's just Ryan Walters holding up free safety signs outside of Kansas City High School with, with the stats. Which, for his free safeties. which of course, we're, we're mentioning Jair Hill, who's going to supposed to visit this weekend uh, again, which is always a good thing. He's visiting a lot of places this fall, by the way. Um, they mention Kankakee a lot, don't they? whenever they can Brett Bielma does that as often as he can uh, and it seems like Ryan Walter says yeah I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to play free safety in this system yes yeah, it, it's it is emerged Jeremy that spot I would say is one of the if you're going shopping in the portal right now you every position's on the table forget roster composition as it is name your three best sells for a portal player right now running back position yep offensive line Free safety. Yeah, I would put and, fourth and, probably defensive line. Yeah, well, that's that's what's uh, you know you could argue outside linebacker. It's been pretty good too. Um, you ha- certainly have a better sell for quarterback and wide receiver, but if you're going up against like Purdue or Ohio right. State or you know what I mean. So yes, but running backs, offensive line, and I, I think free safety still a defensive line. I think after this year, you certainly can do that. But uh, man. The, this free safety position has produced unlike any, right? Like in, in this, besides running back. Statistically, I mean, that's yeah. what I thought Aaron Henry a couple of weeks ago made a good point. He's like, Kirby Joseph's life changed because he had five interceptions last year. Yeah. He goes, one, you probably see a little differently. Two, it's like his life changed entirely. He got a lot of money in the third round of the NFL draft. Like, that's if I'm Ryan Walters, I'm taking all of these. Like, and you said your annual average annual value is what, by the way, and right. I'm showing that to everybody. And Kendall's a freak athlete, or, or not yes. Kendall? Um, Kirby is is a freak athlete. Like, Kendall's not that like that. So I don't think he's gonna. I don't, I don't think he's a draft pick. But like, if he has six interceptions to lead the Big Ten, he's gonna get looks and he's gonna have the opportunity as pro day to impress people. And then we know Kendall's really impressive as an individual and is uh, a mature guy. Um, and he's probably going to be all Big Ten, whether it's third team or second team or whatever, because he's going to have like five, six interceptions by the end of the year. It's crazy. It's such a statistically – we just went on this huge thing about how his nose guard isn't, but if you're watching it is, total opposite, where it's like this is such a statistically plentiful position in the Illinois defense. And also when you watch, there's, they're game-changing plays. Yeah. Right? I thought Kendall Smith's first quarter, first half at least, interception against Iowa was like, okay. And Illinois went and scored, and it just kind of flipped it. I, that's a huge position in, in so many ways. All right, do you want to do our picks click? Do, anything else uh, you want to mention about the Iowa game? I just – at some point, like, when we set our over-unders, it's like, okay, pressures for Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton. It gets boring because it's like, do we do this every week? In the same way we do Chase Brown rushing yards. But the numbers are still unfreaking believable. Like, those two, dude, they've – they better take, hit the like, portal. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'd say. Because when you say they, just to, to cause anyone from freaking out, Illinois being they, yes. not Illinois. they being Keith Randolph. Yes, <laughs> yes I'm glad you clarified that. Uh, Illinois better hit the portal because I think uh, I think Keith's definitely – like I, I, I'm not reporting this, but Keith is just built like it and is playing like it. Johnny's certainly playing like it, and he's a freak athlete for his size. He's a little not, – not as long. Right, so that's where he's got to be a fit as a four, uh, three technique somewhere in a four-man front. But he's having a year that man, he should be a day two pick, right? Like both those guys look like day two picks right now. 
Well, I'm not signing off on that until the Northwestern game when they give Johnny Newton the ball and let him <laughs> run in for a touchdown. He cannot leave Champaign until until the fans yeah. and we get to cover big big man touchdown, yeah, rushing that, touchdown. That, that's all Joey wants. We were talking about it that's yesterday. All I, want. I don't ask for a lot. Yeah, we were talking about this immediate availability, and we thought it could happen early in the season. And I suggested to Joey, I think it happens against Northwestern just to rub it in a little bit <laughs> towards the end of that game. That, which also, before we get to our picks to click, got us thinking what other fun, like, wh- what else would be like, oh, man, yeah, they're really. Well, we got we got the Isaiah Williams throw for a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just got called back on one. Um, we definitely, I, I would very much, which I don't think you can do with jersey numbers, which sucks, but to get a big man pass, like a Nicky Allegretti yeah. touchdown, but jersey numbers and the rule in college sports, I think, makes that difficult. Yeah, who would be the guy if you could get as an offensive lineman? Alex Melchensky. Yeah, this dude's been around forever. <laughs> Give this man a touchdown. Yeah. Um, anything else? I mean, outside of just letting Johnny Newton run. John, I don't want to. I don't want a goal line either, Jeremy. I, mean, I want Calvin five would, yards. Calvin would be pretty fun. <laughs> Line him up at fullback. Uh, fridge, Johnny Newton at running back. Fridge Barry. Good night. Yeah. Do that in the bowl game when you're playing like Kentucky in the Relia Quest Bowl. About it. Or get like Mountis. Let Mountis go. Just put him at fullback. That's I've always wanted to see that on a sneak. Put like Jordan Anderson at running back. Pick somebody. At, I don't care who it is at, at fullback. Put DeVito under center and just have those two run into him. They'd take him out of the Memorial State. He'd be right. He'd be on the Florida State Farm Center. Bush, push. There you go. Chaos. I just want chaos. Who is your pick to click for Illinois' offense, non-Chase Brown division? When can we make it the Chase Brown can't. division? Can't. He's just off limits. Yeah, un- until he rushes for fewer than 100 yards. Yes, he is off limits. Okay, so that might be next week. <laughs> uh, I think it's Tommy DeVito. Jeremy, I, I just think he's going to need to make some throws. I think he's feeling it a, a lot. Okay, what I, is the what is the bar for Tommy DeVito to win this? No turnovers has to. I, I mean, yeah. one or fewer. Well, what about one or fewer? Yeah, one or fewer. Uh, two touchdowns. Probably two touchdowns and 175 passing. I, I was going to go 200, but yeah, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Well, who's your offensive pick to click? I think I got to go with Isaiah. Um, you know, Pat Bryant's been phenomenal, Brian Hightower. But Isaiah kind of does this. If you look at his box score, Joey, 20, 30 yards, 100 yards, 20, 30 yards, 100 yards, 20, 30 yards. So I'm playing the pattern here of that Isaiah Williams has a big day, uh, maybe a touchdown, gets away. And Iowa's secondary is pretty dang good. Uh, so it's not going to be easy, but I think he finds a way to get in the end zone uh, for a big one. Our tight end picks didn't work that well last mm, week. We struggled pretty hard on those. Uh, you t- only you, one catch. You took Ryman, right? Yeah. Did you go Marquez? I got Marquez. I almost got in the end zone. No, he got 20 yards. Yeah. He had a good block. Touchdown drive. Good block on Chase Brown. So, yeah, I, I probably got the edge in that one. I don't know if either of us won. Uh, and then I took Calvin, didn't I? You did. I took Sydney. I think you won. Sydney uh, was pretty good, but yeah. Yeah, let's who's your, go defense. I need a little, I need a second here. I think it's Dark Angel. Yeah, I think it's I okay. think it's Dark Angel. I think he's been really good here recently, and I know maybe some of the stats, tackles, whatever. But uh, you've seen those blitzes where he's made a big deal. Um, I thought the linebackers were pretty dang good uh, against Wisconsin. I, I know sometimes people don't 
I don't see run fits, right? Like uh, when, when you're watching a football game, but they've been really good at that. But I, I think Dark Angelo is starting to prove what the staff was talking about. Like against Wyoming, I didn't think he played very well. And I was like, well, we'll see if this works out. He's He's been their best guy. And didn't Bielma mention that NFL guys were asking about him? Um, I mean, maybe it's I, a special think, teams guy, but like if, it, yeah. if that guy got into an NFL camp, Joey, how big of a like that's a huge win. Um, but he's been really good. I think he's been very good. And I think these tight ends, you know, Iowa isn't a very good running team, but you still have to be sound against them. So I'm going to go with Isaac Dark Angel. Well, it would be stupid to take anybody in the secondary, I think, because like, <laughs> they might put a big number. I'm going to take. Like a Keith Randolph has a Johnny Newton Indiana type game. I don't know if anybody can have that game again. But well, you know what I mean. Like when, I feel like Johnny had like five those pre- two have been five pretty, pressures, something like that. Yeah, I, I think those two have been pretty like nose to nose all year. Johnny had that huge, huge game at Indiana. I feel like Keith Randolph, and maybe I'm not giving the offensive line uh, at Iowa enough credit. I know there's been they're young. Yeah, yeah, and I think Keith Randolph is just kind of. He's really playing really, really well. And I, I'm going to take him. All right. There also, we did you realize Iowa's rushing for 88 yards a game? Iowa. They're bad. Iowa Hawkeye football. Yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's I've, I've, they've been fun, bad to watch offensively, yet they're still. Fun. I do tune in. I do tune they're in. Still, they're still three and two. And if they win this game, like, all, like, we can talk about Illinois all we want. Like, if Iowa wins this game and say they have, like, 300 yards of offense, which I don't think is going to happen. But if they do, like all of a sudden, I was right back in the Big Ten West race, right? Because let's be honest, last year they were terrible offensively too, but their defense and special teams were great, so they found a way to, to win a bunch of games. Will these teams combine for a defense or special teams touchdown? That's a good over-under. Oh, I know. I'll be setting it. Even if Iowa gets one, I think Illinois wins. <laughs> I guess I, I, guess I also have to set safeties, too, don't I? I have to probably set a, a .5 for safety over under. And you know who gets credit for that is Tory Taylor, their punter. Their punter is he's fantastic. Awesome. Like, he's he was he was better than Blake Hayes. Um, he's he's very, very good. He's probably going to be drafted in the NFL. So, uh, that's that's a big X factor in, in this game is, yes, they're, Iowa is going to stress Illinois offensively. And special teams wise, now can Iowa's offense stress Illinois' defense? Gotta say, I, would not, I don't. I would not think that to be the case. I don't see it. I don't see it based on what we've this, seen so far. I do wonder what life is. You know, kind of not a lot of love for the Iowa offense in the great state of Iowa. No, right I talked. Now. I talked to David Eichel <laughs> about that. Um, I'd be pretty shocked if Brian Ferentz is back next year, whether it's his own accord or not. Right, like. Might be the best. Oh, I think it'll be pitched as his own accord, right? I think I think it might be best for him to go, you know, like a certain other coach's son. It might be best at some point to go coach for somebody else and find your own way for a little bit. That's uh, that's tough mudding over there. Sure, but, but it's it's Kirk's offense, right? That's what Kirk yeah. wants to run. <laughs> it's this is such a fascinating Jeremy. It is. What's the date? What do you think? The sixth October the sixth, the year of our Lord, two thousand twenty-two. <laughs> um, and no we have basketball media day on friday tomorrow and i, I still gotta think about that i'm not even thinking i'm like i was texting this next like, week? Dude, help help me what is happening here no one's asked jeremy 
there's not been any hey do you think the doors to oven will be unlocked I think we can go in there and there's been none of that yeah it's all illinois football right now like listen this I, is insane to cover illinois basketball is just a nuisance right now man like i don't want we got to cover Illinois basketball tomorrow. Like, know your lane, Brad. Underwood. Yes, it's football season. Got Illinois Iowa football, right? <laughs> Illinois Iowa football under the lights on Saturday. This is what we should be talking about in the fall. Oh man, he, he won't roast you. <laughs> you're, you're fine. I'm screwed when I walk in there tomorrow. Yeah, I don't mind. Uh, we will have a coverage of Illinois basketball's media day as always. Is Derek Piper. Myself and Joey Wagner will all be there. Uh, and Joey and I will catch up again after the Illinois-Iowa game, which is going to have huge ramifications on, on this season and potentially for the program, Joe. My last question. Yep. Will this be, not for us, the drunkest podcast on YouTube of the season? <laughs> it's a late game, a big game, yeah. a Saturday night. Yeah, check us out, by the way, if you haven't yet, the live post-game podcast. It's been a lot of fun. I, I love the interaction we've had on that with fans. I've had a blast doing it. Indiana was like almost too late. Yeah. May, have, may have lost some some people. This has potential to be the drunkest watched podcast of our of our young football season. Yeah, have here, fun, man. Have fun, everybody. Uh, and and should we hit on the ticket thing right away? Okay, I've, I I got some thoughts. If Joey, you don't want to weigh in, um, I think everyone had a point about having seventy five dollar tickets flat. Like I think Saturday. After that win against Wisconsin, I know they've had this prime game forever, uh, premium game forever. They should have had after that. If they wanted to push ticket sales and say, fans, you got to show up, okay, we'll give them a reason, give them a deal. And they eventually did. So four for 109. All is well. That ends well. But Illinois should have probably had a deal ready to go after that game, or at least by Sunday, after they got to think about it and say how big of a deal this game is, how big it's going to be for recruiting. So I think everyone that was saying yes – if you want to get people in the door, you got to give people a chance because it's expensive to send a family to a game, right? And, and not everybody can afford that. So to get people in the door, I think, is really important. They've done a good job getting sponsors to help them with this, a donor to donate tickets. Um, I'm starting to think, Joey, there might be 50000 there, and there should be. They, they need to find a way to get 50000 plus there because there's a huge potential moment for Illinois football. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think – a lot of it was that people have been like pre-mad and I get it. It's not, if I had to pay to do this, I would be probably similar situations. I think at some point I was just like, man, I have heard about every angle of this thing I could possibly hear. And I understand your frustration. I'm not saying there's no page 35 of the thread. You're, you're getting tired. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my goodness. I, I'm not saying the frustrations had no merit either. I, I think there was definitely some reasoning in there, but yeah, this is, for me, I wasn't covering in 16 uh, for the Mitch Trubisky game, but this has this is the biggest uh, <laughs> the Mitch Trubisky game. I love it. Is, is this this is going to be the? I, I think it, on for home home games probably the best atmosphere I think I've covered. Yeah, I, I'm really and the night game's perfect, dude. It, it that is a perfect. And I understand if you're traveling from out of town, you probably don't feel like it's perfect. But just from an optics, a full stadium at night or. or packed stadium for whatever dude that a rivalry illinois iowa that's that's big man it's what that's we really big. it's what we saw at wisconsin last week right it's what we see at iowa it's what we see in nebraska even through, through some losses it's awesome going to some of these places and the atmospheres you see and you know we see it with illinois basketball all the time certainly see it with purdue basketball indiana basketball 
it's just it just takes it to another level. Makes these games feel different because you can cover a great game like Illinois Wisconsin a couple years ago, and the crowd was nuts, and you felt it. But there's what thirty thousand people there. Like you get if you actually get forty five to fifty thousand people in that stadium, like actual attendance, it just the atmosphere can be really good at Memorial Stadium. But it's it's been a while since we've seen it. Having seen jump around, we saw the wave last year. I would like Illinois to find a, a song tradition. I think that'd be cool. I don't oh, know send what send them in. Send those suggestions in to Josh Whitman. Find as he is, is probably online. Yeah, don't send them to us. I, I think it'd be cool. I don't. It's it's not make or break, and I understand why. They should just, have some kind of tradition so cool. like that, right? That's really. I don't know what it would be. Enter Sandman at Virginia Tech. Awesome. It, that's that's I, to me. That's the next step in creating the FOMO. Yeah, it's got to. Right, like those Wisconsin kids bounced after jump around. But no, they stayed true. until there. Even though it was 30, what, 31 to 10 at that point, they stayed around until they got to jump and shake uh, the press box that I thought was going to fold in around itself. I probably need to check the, Illinois check the structure very, of that. Illinois thing. very high on the press box list, by the way. You appreciate probably, it every, t- every time. I've not been to Ohio State or Michigan. It's probably my number one to this point. Michigan's pretty good. Minnesota's pretty good. Minnesota's pretty good. Purdue's pretty good. Ooh, Minnesota is good. I forgot about Minnesota. I've never been to Purdue. I've always had freaking people get married every Purdue game. Fall weddings. Fall weddings. Don't do it. If you think you got one, don't do it. Start a fight. Postpone to the spring. It's a good way to end it. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, man. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Enjoy the atmosphere. Enjoy the game on Saturday night. Uh, before we get to there, we are going to have Illinois basketball local media day coverage. Uh, so be on the lookout for that at IlliniEnquirer.com. And Derek Piper and I heading up to Big Ten basketball media day. This is where the schedule gets absolutely nuts. Uh, the fall has already, um, you know, been a grind uh, for us in the media, but it's been fun so far, especially. Uh, with some of Illinois' success, yes, we we enjoy some of that, right? Like it's not not a secret. It's it's fun to cover a team that's that's winning games, especially when it's different for Illinois. It's fun to cover people who are happy and fans that are happy. So uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, but we got basketball around the corner, and uh, this is where the wife knows it's going to be. She has to be very understanding. My wife Tiffany, I uh, probably don't say it enough out loud here on the pod, has to be so understanding. Uh, for me to be able to do what I do and do it as well as I do and give it uh, my all um, while also giving my all as a father so uh, and a husband. So it's been, this is where it gets fun, but also very, very busy. Like this is one of the funnest times of the year, but also one of the busiest times of the year. Uh, so I hope you enjoy our coverage and thank you for all the support. It means the world. Give us a follow rating review wherever you get your podcast. Go follow us on YouTube if you don't already. We put all our great video content up there. That's where we do our live post-game podcast. So come and check us out after the Illinois-Iowa game, as Joey said. I think you guys will be having a little bit of fun uh, before the game for that one. So that could make the live chat very interesting, uh, but fun as well. And uh, always... VIP subscription, just $1 for your first month. Great time to sign up with that, with Illinois basketball season right around the corner and a big time for Illinois football recruiting as well. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Enquirer podcast. Bye, everybody. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my soul. I'm 
a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.